Good morning. morning. It is good to have this number out with us for our morning half of our worship service. And I'll tell you all this much, it is nice to say that once again. So as we uh, had canceled our Sunday night and Wednesday night for health reasons and just being on the safe side, which I'm thankful the numbers are down, but I'm most thankful for us meeting again two more times in a week. So this morning, what a wonderful song and a scripture reading before this lesson. As we turn back to a, an oldie but a goodie, John chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, be opening up with me to John chapter 3. This is right after Nicodemus has come to Jesus by night and asked him the question, how can one be born again? So Christ, of course, answer, answers that question. And Nicodemus really doesn't catch it. He doesn't really understand what Christ is talking about being born again. Of course, he has questions, and Christ answers a couple of more times, and he tries to drive the point home. Nicodemus still does not understand. As we have opened up to John chapter 3, we're actually going to start in the 10th verse. Again, this is right after Jesus has answered Nicodemus. One must, one must be born by the Spirit and the water. So we think about our lives. We think about standing on those promises. The promise from God himself. And he allows an opportunity of everlasting life if we just come to it. John the Baptist teaches a little bit later in this lesson. We're hopefully we're going to get to verse 21. But he teaches a little bit later about in verse 36 when he says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides in it. That is a promise of God. And as a child of God, as Brother Daniel wrote this morning, that a child of God cannot sin, that is a mindset that we must have. Not to have the willingness to sin, nor does being in Christ give us the permission to sin, but to stay away from it. We also know, know that God loves us. He also loves those folks who are outside of him this morning. And if you find yourself there this morning outside of Christ, hearing these words, I want to encourage something. Know what it cost our Father. Know what it cost God the Almighty. You might ask, what did it really cost him? It cost him a third of himself to take your sins on so they may be remitted. I use that term on purpose, may. M-A-Y. I don't mean month. I mean an option. We're going to see another option as Christ teaches a very important lesson. Now I know the world has rehearsed and rememorized John 3.16. We're going to cover that verse. But more importantly, verse 17. So as we see Christ's interaction with Nicodemus, because his question was, how can these things be of being born by the, of the Spirit in the water? Verse 10. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel? Again, this is Christ speaking to Nicodemus. And do not know these things. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. So when Nicodemus is asking these questions and Christ is saying, These things are coming from us. They don't come from me, they come from God the Father. I'm just the mediator, I'm the messenger. I am the mouthpiece. You do not receive this witness coming from God. Yet he was a ruler of the Jews. 
He was a teacher and he should have known these things. But he did not. And in verse 12, If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? What a good representation. As Christ answers in the first time in verse 3, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Of course, Nicodemus don't understand. In verse 5, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the Spirit, of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And he uses an example. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes and where it goes, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. How can I tell you earthly things and not understand, but whenever I speak of heavenly things, you ain't going to understand how are you going to understand them? Jesus Christ had a wonderful way of teaching a lesson. He had a way of custom tailoring his lesson for the person. And here he's speaking to Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Let me clarify that. And also, you notice what he says in verse 2. This is Nicodemus. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, and no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. All right, so he knows something was significant about Christ. So he's teaching this lesson, and again, Nicodemus is missing the point. In verse 13, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. Notice what Christ said. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. You might think, what are you talking about, Christ? It's a bunch of double talk. Where was Christ at before the beginning? We don't know. We don't know because God created the heavens and the earth. This is the creation of the angels. This is the creation of all of his servants. This is the creation of earth. This is the creation of the space above us. This is the creation of the, heaven, of the heavens that has the stars in it. We refer to it as space. Where was Christ before all that? We don't know. We don't have an account. But we do have an account when he left heaven. We do have an account that he was already there when everything was being made. Folks, he's the one who spoke it into existence. You might say, no, 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 God the Father need to read the New Testament a little more clearer. That all things were made through Jesus Christ. Whenever it speaks of God, spoke them into existence, Jesus Christ spoke them. It's a good study, by the way. So we see Christ speaking to Nicodemus, the creator of everything, the one who spoke it, saying, if I speak of earthly things, you can't understand. How am I going to speak of heavenly things, which you're supposed to already understand? For therefore you are a teacher of the Jews. And no one has ascended into heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is Christ, entered into heaven at the dwelling place of God and then left that place and came down and took on flesh. Read John chapter 1. 
when Christ is referred to as the Word, and the Word taking on flesh, becoming the Son of Jesus, the Son of God. And that same Son of God referred to in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. That same Son of God taking your sins on, being crucified on that cross, so you may have an opportunity of salvation on Judgment Day. Again, may, choice. The word might comes to mind. We're going to see that in verse 17. But we're back in verse 13. He also says the Son of Man who is in heaven. So wait a minute. So he's talking past, present, and future tense right there kind of all together. What he's talking about here now who is in heaven is present tense. You and I have something significant. Don't, don't have the significance that Christ had. He had something significant. You ever heard the term, you can't be in two places at once? God can be in three places at once. If you think about it more closely, God's all over the place. As we're studying this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 or 5, are we in 6? 6. Chapter 6, speaking in verse 16, know that you are the temple of the living God. So God goes with us. He's in multiple places at the same time. Christ is saying, I'm here and I'm there. But yet still I'm wearing this flesh. The Son of God. Again, we made a distinction or discussion this morning about not fully comprehending the mind of God and also not fully comprehending the functionality of Jesus Christ. We're not going to grasp that until that day. Until we're made equal with Jesus Christ, being that joint heirs with him that Romans chapter 8 speaks of so wonderfully. To know that we can be equal with God on judgment day. Transported into the everlasting, that is everlasting life. Not everlasting punishment. Because the word might is going to come to mind. So Christ uses another example in verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So let's refer back to Moses making that serpent on a stick. Today that is the, the signet or the picture of health or a medical or, or of the medical field. The two snakes opposing one another. That's the symbol that Moses created. What was the purpose of that signet for them to look upon? First, they had to believe that God could heal. First, they had to have that belief. They had to have something else. And if you don't realize that there must be an action in your spirituality, it even resided for the house of Israel in Moses' day. He made those serpents on a staff or that signet for them to look at they had to look at it. They had to remember God's promise. They had to believe that God would heal them, and they had to look at that signet. They had to look at that image. And guess what God did for them? He healed them. He did. Again, belief and works working together. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. 
We do realize that Jesus heals us, not physically, spiritually. He came to heal the sick. He came to seek and save the lost. That is, the sick spiritually. Nicodemus was one of them. For he didn't fully grasp the gravity of what Jesus Christ was talking about. You and I hopefully do. To know that he is fixing to go to the cross and die for Nicodemus' sins. He was fixing to go to the cross for all of his disciples' sins. His apostles. Those previous who trusted in God, who obeyed him. So they can be justified. For you and I today, even until this day, we're being justified through that act. But God, God loves the world. Yes, he does. He loves the world. But keep in mind, he, his patience wears thin. His patience wears thin. Verse 15. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And yes, verse 15 has been taken out of context so much. They take that verse and they run with it. That's all I need. It's all I need. 12, 16 is of course implied, but 15 is all I need. All I got to do is believe. That's all I've got to do. Well, if you dig a little deeper in the Bible as we study it as a whole, I'm thankful that we do have to study it as a whole and not just take one verse and run with it, as so many people do today, to know that you have to believe and have some works to go with it. James chapter 2 speaks of it vividly. That your faith without works says what? That it's a dead faith. You can believe in God. You can trust in His Son. But the absence of those works, it's dead. And you're lost. Do I need to say that any clearer? We can't just take verse 15 and run with it and consider ourselves a child of God. we got to take the rest of it. But belief is a very important part. Just as those bit by a snake back in Moses' day, as he made that insignit for them to look upon, that they got bit by that snake, believed that God trusted him, remembered his promise, and looked up at that serpent in the wilderness. Guess what? They were healed. They were healed. You and I today, we have something as Christ himself has already been lifted up. Do we trust in his promise? Do we follow his word to the letter? We had better. We need to remember, remember that promise from God. We need to make sure that we are his people. We need to make sure that he is our God. So as he can abide in our hearts. And of course, John 3.16. One that the entire world seems like they know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that though or whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Isn't that nice to God, God just loving us enough to so that we can be saved from judgment day? Isn't that nice? Isn't that wonderful to know that all's going to be saved? That would be a wonderful thought, would it not? As we dive into the Word very carefully, and I mean very carefully, we know that there's going to be some, a whole bunch that's lost. We know it's going to be few who find that straight and narrow gate that leads into everlasting. 
And also, verse 17. I know a lot of folks, I've, I've come in, in, into contact with just a few, but I know of some who say, that's all I need is John 3.16. That's all I need. They don't study anymore. They don't want to hear it. They stop their ears up. They cover their ears with their hands. That's all I need. Well, verse, Christ isn't done speaking. How many of y'all have, that your mother has taught you, you don't interrupt nobody? Yes, no, maybe. My mama sure enough taught me not to interrupt anybody, and I do it to this day. You'll interrupt. So why would we interrupt Jesus Christ in our reading? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Uh-oh. The word M-I-G-H-T is the hair. Oh, no. That means to tell me that, that, that there's, there's choice? That means to tell me that there's going to be one or the other? That means to tell me that some's going to be lost? That means to tell me only, some's going to be saved? Might. Oh, yes. M-I-G-H-T. Requires actions on our part as people. It requires obedience to God's word. It requires abiding in his love. It requires keeping the commandments of Jesus Christ. God didn't come into, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn it. It was condemned already. We think about it very closely. If he hadn't come, it'd be condemned. He didn't come to the world to condemn it. He condemned one thing. He condemned sin in the flesh because he was able to be sin-free. We do remember that, right? As he came into this world, he condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned the things that we do are displeasing in the eyes of God. We'll condemn ourselves on Judgment Day because we were disobedient to God. Notice what verse 17 says very clearly. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through but that the world through him might be saved. Through. What's the purpose of a door? The purpose of a door. If you build a house with no doors, there is actually a, a, a song. This, this man built a house with no doors. His purpose, or, his purpose of building that house is so his love wouldn't leave anymore. Well, the constructor of the house says, well, if there ain't no doors in the house, how's she going to get in? That, that's, that was the, 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 little, the little song. I, I remember that part. So, you know what? That applies. That applies to our spirituality. How many people today build their spiritual house with no door? That'd be a funny looking house, wouldn't it? Because in the absence of Jesus Christ, it's not the church. Christ himself can, calls himself the door. We have to enter in to the church through God's only begotten Son, that is Jesus Christ. There is no other way that we can get into the church. Ain't. So we think about how we get into the church. We think about how we are to be saved on Judgment Day. <coughs> it's through the Son. By our faithfulness, grace will be applied through the Son of God. How can we say that? I mean, if, if you look at it very closely and very clearly, 
the little light bulb should come up, or should go off, or come on, rather. The idea should pop into your mind. Why did Christ leave heaven? He was in heaven. He was, he was with the Father. Why, why did he leave? To come down here and suffer? That's, that don't sound like a good idea at all, does it? Well, it had to happen, by the way. Because folks had turned their backs on God. They had gone astray. We, can't, we, we don't need to let that happen to us today. Because the word might is there. We referenced this verse this morning in Bible class. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Be nice to stop there, but it don't. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So therefore, if I'm immersed or baptized for the remission of sins, if I'm walking hand in hand with God and I decide to choose a path other than what God has planned for me or designed for his children, that means I have gone astray. Sin has revived and I'm dying. So why would we die? Why would we not choose the other half of that? Because choice. We let so many things get in the way sometimes between us and God. And my encouragement is to not, not let that happen. A lot of times when families are, are in distress or hard times come along, they'll turn to God. I've seen it happen. And how quickly they turn away when things go good. As a child of God, remember, that might is there. And Revelation 2.10 expressly says, Until death. Be you faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. This is the same Jesus that's speaking to Nicodemus, giving his revelation to John, and John wrote it down with his pen. So moving on to verse 19. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Again, where's baptism? What, where's, if you remember, you got to take this as a whole. Baptism's already implied. Baptism is how you put Christ on. In the absence of baptism, we cannot be saved. He is the door, remember? He is the door to get into the church. But this is speaking to someone who does not believe. It's condemned already. What's the point of being baptized if you don't believe in him? Because what you, what's the steps to the plan of salvation? Hearing, understanding, believing is the very next step. Repenting, confessing, and being immersed. And of course the hard one, being faithful unto death. Here is, in the absence of belief, is condemned already. Folks, he didn't come into the world to condemn it. He come into the world to show us what it is to be of the way. He shows us what it is to be his brothers and sisters. He shows what it is to be in the good standing of God Almighty. And in verse 19, And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds 
were evil. We have a good study about light and darkness, and we, we've had that a couple times, actually, even in discussion. What's the purpose of a light switch? To turn your lights on in, in your house at nighttime, or when the sun has gone down, it's pitch dark in your home, and you go and hit that light switch. Well, if you paid your light bill and that lamp is, is good and the electricity is flowing, you hit that light switch and the light comes on. Wow, we take that for granted a lot. But what a wonderful lesson that is. God is teaching us a lesson every time that light comes on. Because that light defeats darkness. Light defeats darkness every single time. And if your deeds are evil, you don't want to make them light. You, you want to keep them hidden. You want to keep them not exposed. I believe the scriptures tell us that God is light. And he reveals those things through his word to us. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Turn away from those sinful things, those evil works of darkness. When the light reveals them, make your change. God is offering you an opportunity to change your ways. Christ is talking about those in the first century. He was talking about those who was condemning him. They loved the darkness. They didn't want the light there because their deeds were already evil. They didn't want, they didn't want that change. They didn't want to be made feel bad. It's another lesson in and of itself. And in verse 20, with that thought carrying on, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to it, lest his deeds should be exposed. I've said it once, I'll say it again, and I'll continue to say this. Christ's existence and his obedience to his Father is proof of our salvation. It is proof of the world's condemnation. They're going to be lost. They're going to be condemned. And even us as a child of God, if we find ourselves erring on that day, those deeds are evil as well. And we'll be condemned on judgment day. But then verse 21. Christ does a polar opposite and he ends on a positive note. This is what he says. But he who does the truth comes to the light. That his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. You think about your good deeds. The deeds that you do to please the Father. Those righteous, those instruments of righteousness acts that we do. Well, that was a mouthful. We think about those things. When we are attracted to the light, my mind goes to a bug zapper, but not the not the death of the insect. And that's a horrible representation. What happens when you plug that bug zapper in? All the bugs from everywhere come to it, right? If that bug zapper ain't working, your porch light, there you go. Your porch light comes on and all those bugs come to it. And you're thinking, why are all these bugs here? Because they come to the light. You and I, as a child of God, we need to come to that light that is God and stay attached to it and abide in that light. 
Unfortunately, our deeds become evil when we sin. And we separate ourselves from that light. But as that light has been made revealed, or has revealed those things that we have done is bad, displeasing in the eyes of God, make that change. Stop doing those evil deeds. Come back to God so as you can be in good standings with Him and hear those wonderful words on Judgment Day. Well done, good and faithful servant. But are you going to hear those terms, depart from me, you workers of iniquity? Are you on the other, other end of that word, might? Are you condemning yourself right now in the absence of God being in your life? Have you taken that short walk with Satan, needing to come back? Well, let's be on the positive side of that might. Let's not be on the condemned side of that might. Have you yet given your heart to God through baptism? Have you heard this lesson that it pricked your heart enough to respond to enough to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He gave His life for your sins to be remitted. Turn away from those sinful acts and come to God. This morning, I want you to encourage something. Tomorrow is not promised. This evening is not promised. Are you in a bad standing with God? Is He looking down upon you shaking His head as a child of His? Let's make smiles go off in heaven. Let's make their rejoicing as we turn those sins away. Do we need to turn them away this morning? Why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation?